This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 201 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Poplar Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Just me and Reese today, I guess. I know. Hi, Philip. It, it's been a while. It, it feels has. like we forever. had that week off, and I, I, uh, I don't know if I told you, but I went to Montreal and I've been out and about a little bit. So uh, it's good to get back in the groove onto oh. the show and interviewing people and, and doing all that fun stuff. I know. I missed you, Philip. I missed you too, but you know, not too much love. <laughs> not too much love. Not too much love. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, no, we had some horse shows. Uh, I took the babies. We had two weekends of horse shows. Really? Um, yeah. I wish and I had to... snowing here, so... Uh, <laughs> oh, no we, we actually got relatively lucky for both shows. Uh, the first show, they were both at the horse park, and... Um, the first show was up at the indoor, the old indoor, um, and, and it wasn't bad. It was like 55 degrees and kind of sunny, so that wasn't bad, and the boys were great. They both, uh, the big uh, gray horse got a 71%, and uh, Big D got a 69%, so that was pretty awesome. Excellent. And uh, yeah, that was great. And then start. we went, yeah, the great start. I know, season. we'll take it, right? <laughs> they were both really good. And then this weekend, over the weekend, we went to uh, the horse park again, but now down to the main sort of where all our horse shows are yeah. in the infield. And it's, it's, that's a tough one. You know, they have to walk from the barns and it's a pretty long walk and their carriages and kids and bikes and strollers and yes some environment (laughs) and then they have to sort of walk over this hill and they overlook you know six rings and uh they were both a little not they weren't they weren't bad at all um they both did their thing and um and Nelly had to go into a small ring oh my gosh i haven't ridden in a small ring not really well i have to be honest our score kind of went down but i don't blame him he had a lot of turns a lot of turns in a little ring yeah it was three steps turn three steps turn so that was that was tough but um i was glad to get him in the environment they they won all their classes so that's always exciting and always i always celebrate a win i don't care where it is because uh there are many days and horses where you don't win so uh that was that was yeah yeah. (laughs) when you when you don't so i just had a thought uh, Uh, rolex is coming up isn't it it is. It's coming up in a couple weeks, and um, it is in three weeks, the end of April yeah. uh, here. And, and, and Rolex is great fun. If anyone's ever in the area, worth coming to see. Uh, Winnie and I are going to do the test ride. That's what I was thinking. That's why it's relevant, yeah. I guess, to us dressage yeah. people. But, uh, yeah, you're going to be riding a little bit, uh, get in the big ring with the big man. Uh, yeah, I'm looking. It, it's going to be great for her. She's she's actually likes big rings. Uh, but, you know, this is TV cameras and, and jumbo trons and and sort of her first big experience in a main ring um and uh we hope to have silva martin her husband boyd martin is on the eventing team and i she's a friend of ours and and i spoke to her and and hopefully she'll come on the week before kind of explain a little bit about the test and what they're looking for so we can bring some eventing dressage onto the show cool that sounds like a lot of fun actually good idea but what do we have for today's show well, we have some really great guests. We have Jennifer Oliver. Uh, she is our massage therapist here at Maple Crest Farm. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about massage, kind of educate us about massage and why it helps uh, horses um, and dressage horses and all kinds of sport horses. And we also have Eliza Sidner-Rom, and she is doing our trainer tip of the week. So really, really good show. We've been trying to get Eliza on for for a bit, and uh, she's a friend of ours, and uh, and we haven't been able to get her on. So it's exciting that we have her on because she's a great trainer and uh, a really nice person, and really fun. And so uh, I can't wait to hear her tip. Exactly. So stay tuned on that. Uh, before that, I guess we have a little bit of news. Um, Canadians Jackie Brooks and Jamie Irwin will be the North America World Cup rider representatives going to Sweden this year. They were. Um, because a couple of people have opted out not to go, then um, they will be a representatives for Canada and North America, I guess. So that's exciting for them. We wish them lots of luck over there. Absolutely. And currently there, there are no U.S. riders that are going. 
That's too so bad. So I, I know. It, it's but. a bummer, but hopefully next time for sure. <laughs> Great. And mm-hmm. um, the other thing that we have is the rest of our Carl Hester's training tips to to uh to get through i mean we've enjoyed we enjoy talking and discussing about all these things so i hope that our listeners uh appreciate this kind of stuff and and maybe if they don't they can contact us and tell us not to do that but otherwise we're going <laughs> to exactly. keep looking for this stuff because we really yeah. we really like, we like you know tips. to talk about it and and tips and and uh you know gives gives a little it, perspective hopefully to all the writers out there exactly should we jump into number 22 sure go ahead all right Great. So this is Carl Hester's list, um, and we've been doing it. We didn't do it last week, but we did it the two weeks before. So number 22, get someone to video video you riding so we'll see what's working and where things are going wrong. Sometimes it's more beneficial than to have someone on the floor telling you what you're doing wrong. I think it's great to Uh, be able to put like a picture to your feeling, right? If you can remember what it felt like when you were doing something and then now you're watching it you're like oh wait a minute that that can't be right or that really is right i mean it's positives and negatives so um yeah i like to tell people i mean i think we've talked about it before on our trainer tips and stuff you know videoing such a great technology to be able to use yeah, and sometimes, you know, I, there are websites, horseshow.com is one, where you can actually send your video in and you can uh, get training. Uh, you can also uh, video your test and get judged. So it's also a good tip that if you are in a remote area and you want some help from an instructor, there there are ways now, if you video and, and get it on YouTube or, or upload it to those sites, there are some pretty good sites that you can get some very affordable coaching um, and you can watch it multiple times. So um, that's another thing. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next tip is a good trot is all about suspension. When our horses are strong enough, we teach passage and use it to get suspension in the trot. We rise while doing this exercise as it makes it easier for the horse as it, and encourages lift. From Passage, we take the trot forward until he realizes that he needs to keep the suspension that he had in Passage. If he loses the suspension, we halt, ask for Passage, and start again until he maintains his suspension in trot. Well, I think it's maybe not not so helpful for horses that aren't talented enough to Passage, but, I, you know, when I... When I teach people and, and we talk about suspension and lift and, and cadence and all these types of words, you want to think like you're, you know, like you're riding passage, right? You know, you always want to go towards that, you know, to help the horse get stronger and better balanced. And, uh, and you know, sometimes I always, you know, I picture what I want, you know, in my brain, even though even if the horse isn't capable of such a high lift or whatever, you, you always have a goal to meet, right? A goal to get to. And, and that is a good one, that, that kind of yeah. trot. Yeah, this is something that I'm working with with my black mare Winnie. This is this is exactly what I'm trying to teach her is how to have that suspension and and keep it. So so this is a tip that that actually I'm going to kind of reread and and really think about for her. So there's certain horses that I think this uh when they're at that level uh, can be very helpful. So number 24 as a test of your training techniques, go into rising trot and drop your reins. Your horse should stretch down, but if he sticks his head up, something needs adjusting in your training. Well, I mean, this yes. is a movement that is in is in the training <laughs> level test, right? So, and that's why it occurs it is. there. And I think this is a hard one. You know, I actually just I was riding riding today, and and having my assistant, like, where does it look like the horse is stretching? Because sometimes it feels like they're stretching. I have trouble, especially on the young horses, in training level test three. There's the stretchy trot, and there's the the stretchy walk. They're very, very um, important and um, very expensive um, scores. Yeah, so, marks. yeah, for sure. Yeah, so so you need help on this, you know, uh, more than more than. I mean, I I I had it today. So don't be afraid to pull somebody in and say, "Is is that the stretch that the judge is looking for?" Because sometimes it doesn't feel like that from up top. Yeah, yeah. Um, our next tip: Never tell your horse off when teaching him flying changes. Just keep repeating them until he gets it right, or he'll start to get nervous and tense about doing that. And I think you know this is good about training in general. You know, some positive reinforcement is worth twice as much as you know kicking him or giving him a whip, right? I mean, it's it's very important that they learn to trust their rider. You're working on a partnership and a relationship, and and flying changes for sure. Because once the horse gets nervous, it's so hard to get them out of that kind of tension and problems right 
Yeah, absolutely. And this is, I mean, flying changes, PF, I mean, there's a, there are a couple big things where, you know, or even just getting the horse to walk, you know, if you reprimand them too much, sometimes they get really nervous. So this can go for a couple of different things. But yeah, we always say that repetition is the best way to train. So if you're able to repeat it until they get it right uh, and they learn, oh, that's what you want, sometimes that, that, that will go away and, and you don't get that nervous tension. So number 26. If you can't halt square on the center line, it's your fault. It requires training. So it makes so to make sure you can do this, teach your horse that he must always stand square, even mounting or dismounting. Teach your horse to stand square, ask for it alongside the school, trot, ask for a few steps of walk, then step into the halt. He must step forward into the halt, not halt, not back to halt. Um, this, is, this is something we try here all the time. You know, if you halt, it better be square because it is, it, it is, it is purely repetition. So I'm yeah. a believer in, in this yeah, one. Paying attention to the details, right? That's just detailed yeah. riding and making sure that every single halt is the best one that you can do and that you work on it, right? It's not, you know, none of the movements and none of dressage is magic. It's just training and, and careful repetition and, and detail riding. So the halt is definitely you know, it's big. It comes in, you know, from, from training level or pre-training level to Grand Prix. You have to be able to halt. You have to be able to halt square. And uh, like it says here, step forward into the halt so that he can get square correctly. You know, it's it's about balance. It's about the horse being in between both of your legs and in front of your leg a little bit. So um, it takes time to get to get it for sure for everyone. There's no, ma- you know, there's no magic to it. But uh you know, if you practice it a little bit every day, it gets better, and then and then you have great halts. Our next yep. tip is hiking up hills will help with fitness and muscle development, if you have hills, I suppose. Yeah, I know. We have hills in Kentucky. Do you have hills in Canada, Philip? Well, I mean, it's a big country, so in places there are hills, <laughs> and in places there are not hills, please. Well, where you are in Fergus, Ontario, do you have hills? <laughs> yeah, we have hills. Um, you know... Not all properties have hills, so I mean, um, sometimes it's good to get out and, you know, if I have a friend, you know, um, with a property with a good hill on it that, you know, they have horses or whatever, that it's a good idea, you know, just go for a hack somewhere else and uh, because it really, without having to work the horse in a school or whatever, it's great to keep their minds fresh and, and put them on a hill and that makes them strong, that's for sure. I've used it in my training and, and it helps helps the canner a lot, so... Um, you know, find a hill, ride on it. I think you can get yeah, a lot exactly. done without being in the in an arena, you know? So that's great. Well, we, we had a funny thing. Our neighbors brought in a treadmill. And Travis, my husband, um, looked at me and he said, why don't they just ride them? <laughs> and I said, well, I, I laughed. I said, well, you know, certainly if you're in an area like Florida that doesn't have hills, uh, a treadmill can can help uh, and 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 do that. But we we when we bought our property, we made sure there were some good hills. So we have some good hills here in Kentucky. So they're perfect. So excellent, excellent. All right, number twenty eight. In walk, try not to interfere too much, and remember that during the test, a long walk on a free rain is not. Is not a time for a break. It requires as much attention and concentration as the other movements. Absolutely. And it's a double <laughs> score, typically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you don't take a break there. Yeah. 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 And day to day when you're when you're riding, I mean we for sure ride, you know, ride a little bit, train the horse and then and then do a walk break and break I'm putting in quotations here even though you can't see it. But I mean, um, it's not a break. It's part of the test. So practice it, right? You know, don't just, you know, think that by magic in, in, during the test, you know, you're at a show, your horse is going to walk perfectly. You know, you have to practice it. You have to practice kind of letting the reins go and then, you know, gathering them up. I see a lot of times that, you know, the, the rider is unprepared or, and the horse is unprepared for the, where the part where you gather reins up and ride the next movement, you know, you know, normally at home, you know, you take your time, you're walking around, then you take your time to gather your horse up, but that's not how it occurs in the test. So make sure, you know, you're practicing your test, but practicing that movement daily as well. Exactly. Next tip. Don't rush your schooling and ask for too much too soon. It's important that your horse is strong enough to be able to do what you're asking him to do or he could suffer an injury. It's, it normally takes four to five years to get to Grand Prix level without any problems along the way, as it takes that long for the horse to become strong enough to perform the movements required at that level. If you have any setbacks, it can take longer and very often does. 
Well, I, yeah, I think that's something yeah. to think about. You know, it takes the best rider with a really great horse. Five, you know, four, like I said, like it says, four to five years to Grand five Prix, years. you know. Um, it takes a lot of other people, a lot of other horses, maybe twice that long, you know. So um, just day by day, do your training, go at it. He doesn't have to get get strong fast. He can get strong over time, and uh, and it's a long, long road, you know. So exactly. Yes, it is. Take your time. <laughs> <laughs> Number 30, when you stop and salute the judge at competition, remember to smile. I love that one. <laughs> There's an easy one, right? There's I mean, an easy one. It's, a, yeah. it's supposed to be fun, I think, sometimes, you know. So try and have a good time at a show, you know. Let some of the nerves go and, you know, just think, you know, when you start your test, you're just halted, you're you're ready to go. It's it's going to be a great time, right? Yes. I think. Absolutely. <laughs> it should be, at least. It should be. <laughs> 31. Get to a show in plenty of time and hack your horse around the showground on a loose rein so he has time to get used to his surroundings before he's expected to concentrate. Well, yes. we had that we had that tip, you know, from uh, from your friend and, and the groom to say, you know, give yourself lots of time to uh, to organize and to feel relaxed. You know, it's it's nothing worse, and I've done it a couple of times to get there at the last minute and have to run around. And I mean, it's guaranteed to be a bad experience for you and your horse. You know, so um, just get on your horse a little early, walk around. You know, sometimes. Um, you know, when I read when I was riding the stallion, he, uh, you know, he gets himself all worked up. You know, I have to walk him for 15 minutes at least. You know, give myself just time to walk him for 15 minutes so that he just relaxes and and can concentrate and do his job. Otherwise, if I don't give myself that time, then he's all fired up. He gets all, you know, worked up. He he wants to, you know, pee off and passage instead of just trotting. He wants to, you know. And and it just doesn't work. He gets tired very fast. It's just, you know, him and me mentally are not in the right place to go in the ring. It's just awful. So I've learned that over time just to, you know, he's not going to get tired from walking around, right? But he might just get relaxed. And that's what we need from to, to be able to perform our best. Exactly. Number 32, plenty of turnout allows your horse time to relax and he'll be more relaxed during his training. I, I'm a big, Philip, I don't know about you, but I'm a big believer in turnout. We turn out a lot here, um, you know, and, and, and it does have to be specific to the horse and what the horse has been used to. Um, you know, when we got Casper, he did not turn out well. Um, and he was, uh, he was 16 when we bought him. Hard to teach an old dog new tricks kind of thing. Yeah. But um, yeah. all the young horses here, they go out and they, I, mean, I turn my horses out in groups. Um, the boys and the girls and and they do great they do fine um yeah. you know sometimes they play a little hard um <laughs> but i think it's good for them you know especially the young ones yeah, i think and they th- need time to be horses right i mean we you know they're they're athletes and they're and they're being trained and and all these things but at times they just have to be horses to keep them mentally in a good place exactly all right at competitions Wear clothes and tack that you and your horse are used to and comfortable in. Suddenly using different equipment on competition day can affect your performance. If you have special show boots or tack, have a few dress rehearsals at home just before the show date. Yeah, I learned this lesson, actually, when <laughs> I went to ride in a shad belly for the first time. You Let me just help everybody. Um, I don't think I practiced enough in my shad belly. I think I, I think I did it once maybe and like went on a hack, but it, it was a really windy day and he was not used to it. It was my first young rider horse. The first time in a shad belly, I did ride in it a few times, but it just, it, you know, I learned my lesson. I should have ridden it more than I did. Um, so yes. The shad belly is a big and, one and because I've, it can fall on the horse's back or it can, you know, like the tails can yeah. move quite a bit. And if they're not used to it, that's a problem. But I see this also a little bit with some some riders that want to switch to a different bridle or something yes. like that. And I just tell them yep. that's just not a good idea. You know, have a good bridle to ride in every day and then showing it, right? I mean, it just requires right. cleaning it. You know, like I know right. you want to have, you know, I'm, I'm okay with switching a brow band, but the whole thing, yeah. I mean, just the horse is not, anything. you don't switch anything. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't tend to, but I think these days there's new, you know, these really yeah. blingy brow bands and all this. And maybe you don't want to yeah. ride in that every day, but... Um, Your fashion. It's fashion, yeah. So I'm okay with that. But, you know, just switching, the, it's just every, 
everything you yeah. know all the tack can really fit a little bit you know a little bit differently you know from bridle to bridle or just where the bit sits and then you know then the horse is not used to it and and is a little uncomfortable and then you got all these issues extra issues to deal with at home so you know right at home riding what you what you go to a show in and and uh don't and change it. Don't There's change all, you're it. Already, It'll be fine. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're already wearing your right your your white clothes and your coat, and I mean, you know what I mean. You're yeah. already. There's already some stuff, but don't change your boots. You know, wear the same boots that you wear at home because it. You know, those clothes feel different. I don't care. You know, yeah. uh, you you don't wear your white britches every day. Mine are not my most comfortable pair of pants. I don't wear them all the time. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think that's that's something that you have to know too. Is is as you go through that that stuff is gonna feel different. So, yeah, yeah, excellent. Okay. Number 34, the key to training horses, horses is patience and consistency. You'll get there. Yeah, I think that's pretty self-explanatory, right? Yep, agreed. Last one. This is our last tip. Drum roll. Yeah, okay. this has been fun. I like this. this. Yeah. 35, if possible, recreate the type of arena you'll be riding your test in at the competition and have to practice in it. For example, check what size the arena will be and measure one out the same size at home to practice the test in. Or... If you usually work in a school, but the competition is on grass, practice riding the test on grass. Yeah, I think this goes back towards, you know, to tip 33. I mean, just be be ready for the situation that you're going to be thrown into, you know, at the show and practice as much similarity as you can to make sure you and your horse are prepared, right? That's how to have yes. success, right? Be exactly. prepared. So. Yeah, it was hard. I mean, we were talking about this a little earlier when I had to ride Denali in a small arena this weekend. Wow. Um, and, and I kind of, I, we had, we had done it the weekend before, so I, I didn't pull one out. Probably should have, I'm not going to lie. Probably should have <laughs> taken the time to, to pull a small ring out and let him practice it a few times. Cause it is very tight. Um, you know, we only see him at schooling shows here in town, but, um, it would have been good to, to, yeah. uh, turn, turn, to turn. And you got to get that canner yeah. a little smaller than what he's used to. Yeah, exactly. His canner's huge. So it was interesting. <laughs> Uh, well, that was great, Philip. I, I look forward to, to, to us finding more lists online. And thanks to Carl Hester for his great yeah, tips. Great, um, tips. great that trainer. Was yeah, I mean, uh, and a little, it's nice to have a little insight into his program and how he thinks and what they do there. Yeah. And I think that's really exactly. helpful for, for you and for me and, and hopefully for some other people out there. Absolutely. Well, after this commercial break, we are going to talk with uh, Jennifer Oliver from uh, a massage therapist in Kentucky. Fleeceworks manufactures pure Australian merino sheepskin and merino wool saddle pads and accessories. Their pads produce a vital thermal balancing layer to pull excess moisture and heat away from the horse's back, allowing muscles to work at maximum capacity without overheating. Fleeceworks Australian merino wool is breathable and hydrophilic, able to hold and store 35% of its own weight in liquid. A longtime staple of the medical field, Australian merino fibers have no equal when it comes to delivering a temperature-controlled, pressure-absorbing layer. The Fleeceworks philosophy, minimum bulk, maximum performance, and they have a variety of anatomically correct pads incorporating technologies and designs that address the individual needs of every horse and rider. Ask for Fleeceworks saddle pads and accessories by name at your local tack and feed store or visit them online at fleeceworks.com. Well, it is a pleasure of mine today to introduce Jennifer Oliver. Um, she has been a part of our Maplecrest Farm team for many, many years now, I think six or seven years, and she is a fabulous massage therapist, and I've been wanting to have her on the show. So, Jen, thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Rach. It's a pleasure to get on and talk to you today. So, Jen, tell us a little bit about yourself, and um, then I'd love to go into what massage is and how it works and how it can benefit dressage horses. How does that sound? Oh, sounds great. Uh, well, I've had my business now for six years, all of which I worked for Maplecrest Farm along with many other farms throughout Kentucky. Uh, I got certified in equine massage through a program called Equisage based in Round Hill, Virginia, and I started my business in 2004. Um, I have slowly grown throughout the um, years, and now I have a, I do about 55 massages a month uh, in the Lexington area. I also travel to a few big shows uh, all over the country in York, as well as going down to Florida. 
and massage works so great for any form horse because to keep them free of tension and moving fluidly is so important in dressage especially. Um, and typically whenever a horse gets a trigger point uh, that causes tension in them, it can really throw off their whole body. So it's really important to keep your sport horses nice and loose and free of any tension to um, make sure they're happy and going and doing well for whatever you want them to do. Well, that that sounds pretty good. Jen, can you tell us a little bit how you got into massage and a little bit about the program for anybody that would be interested? You know, why why did why did it draw you to it? Well, I've always had a um, great passion for animals and horses in particular, and um, and then I've always had a special knack for massage. Um, I played volleyball all through high school and college. And I always was one to massage, you know, like you only had sore shoulders. And so I found out at a pretty young age that that's what I wanted to do for a living. But it wasn't until I came to Kentucky that I found out that I actually could massage horses, which is kind of combining, like, the two best worlds into one thing. Um, and it's just so wonderful getting to massage the horses because they are just, they really respond to it. And they're so grateful and so thankful when you make them feel good. Um, and from schooling, uh, I was, like I said, I went through a program called Equisage in Round Hill, Virginia, and they have a, a study program there where you can get certified. Um, and then there are a couple places in Kentucky where if you want to go through um, a vet tech program, you can become a massage therapist as well. So, Jen, and you, you just work wonders on all of our horses, truly. I mean, we're, we're as successful because of you, really. Um, and everybody knows I talk about Denali and how perfect he is. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you've actually done some great things with him because he's had some issues, really. Well, you were, you were with us when he was born. You were there the day he was born. And yeah. um, one of the things, you know, we've had some issues with him as he's grown, and he's turning five this year. Um, as he's grown, he's grown... Um, in some really awkward ways. Can you tell people how massage has really helped him uh, in our development? Oh, of course. Well, um, and some young horses do a little bit better than others when they get into training. Um, but when they, when they go into that training process, there's really a big change in how they, they're using their bodies, how their muscles are working, how they, all of a sudden they have a saddle on every day. And, and it can be really rough for some horses. And Denali in particular, no, he... He uh, really had a hard time adjusting to some of those changes. And, and when you're really teaching these new things to these young horses, you want it to be as positive as possible so they get as much out of every training session and as much out of, you know, everything you're, you're teaching them. So massage for Denali has really helped to relieve some of that initial soreness so that he can really move forward at a faster pace and really reach his potential um, because he's, just such a wonderful horse, so he really is going to, you know, it's really helping him move through the levels quicker, learn things quicker, and then they also have a very positive outlook on, on his training. Yeah, and we had, you know, some really some big issues with him, and, and we continue to still monitor and work with him, but um, can you explain, you know, it, it came to me as girthiness. He would try to, he tries to bite when you put his girth on, but that wasn't really his problem, was it? No, no, um, he has a tendency to get a little bit tight in his pecs, and, and a, a lot of young horses do this because they want to pull themselves with their front legs instead of engaging in their hind end when they're, when they're moving, um, and, and that was from where he would get that grumpiness from, and just through some um, normal massage techniques, and, and really uh, throughout his whole body, you know, he, he would get a little bit tense behind, too. Um, we helped to relieve some of that, that ouchiness and that grumpiness um, by just releasing some of those knots in his um, pecs, which are kind of where the girth kind of goes. So he was justified, viably grumpy, but uh, once we taught him that it wasn't so bad and that I could make him feel better, he uh, took to it a lot better. Yeah, he's been he's been tremendously better, but still something we work on. Jen, what are some other? I mean, that was a that was something that you know it could have been interpreted that he was just grumpy about his girth, and and we really sort of you and I had to investigate sort of why that was happening. Are there any other things like that, the, sort of the girthiness, or any other things that that can be helped with massage? Uh, yes. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, anytime a horse, you know, is turning a little bit stiff to one side. 
Um, normally that comes from the trapezius muscle on the opposite side being tight or the brachiocephalic muscle that kind of runs down the lower part of their neck uh, can get tight. And those can cause major turning issues, which all are alleviating great from massage. Uh, sometimes if they're weird about their canter leads, um, that can be also caused from the brachiocephalic muscle acting up. A lot of hind end stuff can happen if they get tension on their SI joints, which a lot of them often do. Um, so pretty much if you find your horse doing anything like stiff or not really fluid, that's a time where you would maybe want to investigate with equine massage. Um, and, and then sometimes girthiness also can actually come from the latissimus dorsi muscle, which runs up by their withers and the, um, their rhomboids. And when those get sore, so it's, when you put the girth on, it's not actually the girth that's bothering them. It's when you tighten it and the saddle presses down at their withers. Um, that can also be a sign of girthiness. And a lot of times massage will alleviate that. Um, and the, also the thing about massages, normally when I work on a horse, I can tell if your saddle is not fitting uh, properly and maybe refer you to a good saddle fitter. Now, Jen, I'm interested in a little bit the theory behind the uh, behind massage. What are you What are you doing when you're manipulating the muscles? I mean, I'm sure it's more than just petting the horse, right? So, you know, what's oh, going on? Yeah. Uh, well, the physiology physiology of it is when, um, let's say, uh, you have a tension point. Well, what's happening there is when the muscle tenses up due to work or being goofy out in the field or you know a number of things. What's happening is that there's a really large amount of blood and nutritional flow to that area. And so it's really hard for them to feed that out themselves. You know, what I do is I go in a plane and not like that. I uh, work through it. And uh, as I massage it, and uh, you have, I mean, there are plenty of techniques, you know, that I have in my arsenal to get rid of these things. But uh, typically, like a lot of back and forth motion, uh, deep pressure, uh, that will loosen up the muscle, allow the blood and nutrition to flow into it, and then thereby alleviating the, t- the trigger point. And so, I mean, it just works great. And even for the muscles that are getting blood flow, you are increasing throughout the entire body and balancing the entire body. So um, it's all one big unit, you know, instead of just like, oh, this part's working perfectly, but, you know, I'm sore here and I'm sore there. So, uh it's worked out really well. So, Jen, how often, how often do you recommend um, the people have massages with their horses, for their horses? Uh, I would say it kind of depends on their um, workload. Normally, I like to keep all my horses on at least a once-a-month schedule. Um, and normally, uh, most of my clients do that throughout the year. Uh, and what that does is it keeps their body balanced and keeps you know, everything good so that that way you don't have to wait for something bad to happen to have me out. I just, you know, it's a very preventative measure. It keeps horses strong all through the winter. They come out of the winter stronger. Um, they're ready for training right away. You don't have to worry if they're sore during training. And then a lot of times during show season, if, you know, you, they have a lot of shows on like one month, then you'll boost it up maybe to before every show or, you know, twice a month. Um, it can really vary from horse to horse. Now, in your in your history of working with massage, are there any good stories that you can tell us about, you know, horses that made a great turnaround or, or something from your experience? Oh, yes. I, gosh, I've probably dozen, but uh, one of my favorite stories actually just happened a couple of months ago. I was working on a horse, and I went out, and she's like, oh, by the way, his tail doesn't work. And I was like, what? what? His tail doesn't work. She was like, yeah, um, he did something to it in August, and this was, this was like four months, it was like four months after um, he had injured it. And they and he said, I don't know what happened, but one day he, it just stopped working, and I had vets out and chiropractors out, and they couldn't tell me what was wrong with it or what happened to it. Um, they think he must have hit it against something. And I was like, oh, okay. So I go back there and start kind of looking at it, and I start massaging it. And uh, she said he can't lift it to poop and he can't swap flies or anything. It drives him crazy. And it probably drove her crazy, too, having to clean his tail every day. Well, so I'm I'm massaging him, and I'm like, well, he's really tight back here. You know, I'm not sure that 
I'll be able to help, but let's see what we can do. By the end of the session, he was lifting his tail to poop, and ever since, it's worked. So I thought that was a pretty neat uh, thing for that's for a pretty, her and, that's a pretty quick response. Do you normally yeah. you normally see that or, or you know, by yeah, the end I, of a I session mean, for the thing to change so much? Right. Uh well normally you can see a physical difference in them right after a session if they're really tight. Um I mean I've never come across anything that extreme, you know, not being able to use your tail at all, uh, to go from that to using it. Um and he was really tight there. I almost think that he forgot that he could use it. Um <laughs> You know, like I mean, maybe he had an injury. You know, he had an injury or something. And by by when I saw him, his injury was healed. But he was so used to just having it locked in there. He, you know, I kind of taught him that, hey, it's fixed now. You're fine, and um, and it worked right away. So couldn't have been happier about that situation. Yeah, wonderful. That's awesome. Well, Jen, yeah. worst wonders at our barn too. Really, it's amazing, and and certainly Denali has been sort of the biggest challenge that we've had. But all the horses here get massaged on, like she said, on a rotating schedule depending on what their needs are and how much they're working and uh, travel schedule. So uh, she, Jen, is a huge part of our team here at Maplecrest. And um, Jen, we thank you for all, all that you do for us. And uh, and if people want to find you on the internet and and get some more information about massage, how can they find you? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I have uh, my Facebook account, which is just Jennifer Oliver. Um, there's a picture of me stretching a horse on the front page. And then I, anyone's more than welcome to call me. My number is 859-559-1315 for questions or anything like that. Well, Philip, that was great to hear from Jen. She does such an amazing job and they're a wonderful massage therapist throughout the country um that i yeah. found it to be very helpful in my program well add uh, one to add one to that's another person on the team right we've got vets carriers, chiropractors and massage therapy um is certainly a, an excellent part of of keeping your horses feeling good and training them and and helping you you do your job better right exactly it is a team team effort well, after this commercial break, we're going to come back and talk to Eliza Sidner-Rom. Um, she is a certified instructor through fourth level and very active in, in, in judging programs as well and the Young Horse program. So we look forward to her trainer tip of the week. Hi all, Glenn the Geek here, and we're excited to bring you a special offer for Horse Radio Network listeners from one of my favorite companies, and that is Audible.com. Audible.com is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre. Thrillers, business, romance, comedy, sci-fi, sports, and so much more. Audible titles play on your iPhone, your Kindle, your Android, or more than 500 different devices that you can listen anytime, anywhere. My wife and I love Audible books. We've been a member of Audible since 2004 and have listened to over 100 books uh, with Audible. What horse person, you know, who has time as a horse person to sit down and to read a book anymore? Yet, I found the time to listen to books on Audible. When I'm not listening to podcasts while I'm riding, cleaning stalls, or at the gym, or driving, I'm listening to Audible books. And for the listeners of the Horse Radio Network, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com hrn. That's audibletrial.com slash HRN for Horse Radio Network. And you can download your free audiobook and get your 14-day free trial today. If you can't remember that, just check out our website and you'll find a link to it right there. Enjoy your book. We know you will. Well, we are very happy to have Eliza Sidner-Rom on the show this evening. She is a friend of both Philip and I, and we've been dying to have her on the show. So we are looking forward to her trainer tip of the week. Eliza, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Well, I am looking forward to your trainer tip. Can we jump right in? All right, my tip of the week is to ride the horse you have now rather than ride the past. And what I mean by that is for most of us, we've had our horse for at least many months, if not many years, and a lot of times we get caught up in riding old problems or continuing to create 
an old problem that maybe really isn't an old problem or a, a problem currently anymore. So um, I know this happens a lot for me because I work with a lot of young horses. So if I started the young horse under saddle and let's say they had a really difficult problem picking up the right lead canter, and now I'm so happy because they canter to the right really well, but somebody comes along and says, yeah, well, they've been cantering to the right really well for six months now, so why don't we get on with it and make the rightly canter better and stop thinking that the rightly canter is a problem anymore because it isn't. No, I think that's so right. I think we all we all get into that rut, um, and, and we've all been there. So give us some other examples of, of riding sort of the horse from the past versus the horse you have now. I have quite a few students who are um, either moving up a level right now or starting with a new horse, a younger horse. And one thing that I tell them when we're working on something new is imagine that this, this horse already knows this. Let's say we're learning how to really ride a good quality collected canter towards second or third level. And instead of hoping that it works out and trying really hard to prepare to ride a collected canter, I tell them while we're still walking, all right, we're going to pick up the canter, and this is your fourth-level schoolmaster. Someone has already trained this horse for you. He knows how to do collected canter. Ride him as if he knows how to do it. And then, of course, we're not going to keep him in it very long because the horse doesn't really necessarily know how to do collected canter yet. But if you ride it as if they do, a lot of times um, it works out a lot better than waiting and seeing what problem you're going to have and then trying to fix it. Yeah, I think that goes to, a, uh, you know, to your state of mind as you're riding the horse or, you know, and sometimes it just takes fresh eyes on the ground to say, you know, like, there's not this problem anymore. Stop bugging him about it. You know, you get, I get a lot of that in, you know, when riding, uh, when riding the bend for a horse or a horse I know for maybe even a month or two months has a little bit of a bending problem. You know, it's kind of like you immediately get on and go right to that problem or sometimes you know you you don't expect the horse to be able to do something that you ask and then you know give it give the horse a chance to do it correctly from you know a, a softer aid and uh and you never know they might just surprise you right so i'm always looking to be pleasantly surprised from a, you know by a horse every day just being fresh you know and and just you know having a good state of mind as you approach it Reese, do you have any examples, you know, that you've been dealing with recently about this? Yeah, I think I think we all do. I mean, we, we talked a little bit, Philip, when you came to visit me in Florida. And, and last, I think I talked to you about I had a sensitive uh, black mare. And, you know, for the longest time, for the, the year I had her, you know, I was trying to keep the peace. And finally, Philip's like, hey, come on, ride that canter through. Like, there's no reason that that shouldn't be going on. And, and it, just to have a fresh approach to the horse... Uh, was great, and it's re- that just one statement changed my whole riding on her, and now she's really pushed through. And from the very minute I get on, I say, "Okay, come on now. I don't need to treat you with kid gloves. I can really ride you." Um, and so that was super helpful just in my own riding. Um, and and would you guys say that this is a great time to? It is nice to either do a clinic with you know somebody that you're familiar with, or even if you haven't seen your trainer in a while. Uh, especially in, in the case of us, we don't necessarily get help all the time. Um, so it's nice to just kind of go to see your trainer and say, okay, this is the issue. Do you see it? Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. I think for sure to have help on the ground um, from your trainer or even if it's just a fresh set of eyes on the ground um, to help you is always super important for this reason. And also, sometimes for amateurs that have their own horse, they always ride and they only ride that one horse. I think it can be helpful if there's a possibility for them to come and sit on a different horse. And then I can tell them the next time I teach them on their horse, all right, imagine that you're on that horse that you rode the other day. Maybe it was a schoolmaster of mine. Imagine that you're on that horse and they already know, you know, they do a really nice shoulder in. And now let's ride the shoulder in as if you're riding that horse. I know for me, sometimes I feel like I ride other people's horses better than my own because you get into these into these ruts. It's a little bit like a long-term relationship where you have the same argument a little bit over and over. So to have a fresh set of eyes on the ground or even sometimes to sit on a different horse 
um, just to have that fresh perspective, I think, is really important. I think that's a really good point, Eliza. I mean, uh, I hadn't really thought about that, you know, before. But I mean, you know, as a professional, we each get to ride, you know, a, a bunch of horses every day, right? So you're not bringing that same experience back to that horse, you know, day by day. So I think that's a really, a really interesting and a good point to to try and sit on a different horse that that doesn't have that problem. Sometimes that might even help you figure out whether it's you or the horse, right? I mean, I know that not everyone has the an opportunity to ride a really great schoolmaster, but, uh, you know, just, just something, something new, change the perspective, try and figure out, you know, uh, from different angles, what the, what the problem is. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea of a, it's a long-term relationship <laughs> and, uh, it makes you think about just, just, you know, when, when you're married for a while or that kind of thing, you know, you get in, you, you do the same thing and maybe the same thing is annoying. And sometimes you just have to step back and say, okay, wait a minute, let's, let's look at this and, and, and maybe look at it a different way. Um, Eliza, any other tips that you can give kind of even, even about the mental state when you get on that same horse for the same day, uh, for, you know, for the same time? Well, I like to try to imagine if I'm going to ride, whatever the movement is, let's say I'm going to pick up the canner and my horse has a tendency to have a little bit of a flat, maybe slightly four-beat canter. Before I even pick up a canter, whether it's from the cow to walk, I'm going to imagine in my mind the best-feeling canter that I've ever ridden. And I think of whatever horse that is. For me, my mare Gracie that had one of the best-feeling canters ever. And so when I ride a horse that I know has a problem a little bit with the rhythm and the canter, I'm going to picture Gracie's canter in my mind before I pick up the canter to part and then ride that canter. And, of course, I'm realistic. I don't expect the horse to canter immediately like Gracie can, but I try to have that feeling and I try to talk to people about that, that you, you really prepare yourself mentally for what you want to feel instead of asking, seeing what happens, and then thinking, ugh, oh, this is this bad canter again, and you sort of, you know, you make that happen almost, even though, of course, you don't want it to happen. So trying to trying to take just that moment or two before you ride, whatever the movement is, um, to imagine the best feeling that you felt before and then try to replicate that, I think it's really important for people. What I find a little bit handy in, in some of these things is if I have a problem with... Um I don't know, half pass, for instance, sometimes you have to change in how you're preparing for it. You know, like if you're, if you're riding always, you know, kind of, let's say a 10 meter circle and then into half pass, sometimes you have to change where the movement occurs or a little bit where or how you prepare for it. Because, you know, you have to say that, you know, for some reason it's not working, but not necessarily in the movement. In, in, and sometimes it's just how you come into the movement, you know, and, and, and just, you know, find different approaches to, to, do the same thing or get through the same problem and then like you said once the problem is done try not to keep going at it you know every day kind of figure out a different problem and figure that out and maybe a month from then come back to it right i mean you don't have to school the same thing every day just because it was a problem three weeks ago or, or something like that you know let the horse get over it keep it fresh keep it interesting yeah i definitely agree with that i remember one time um a trainer said, it's okay if you make if you keep making mistakes, as long as they're new mistakes. Right. You know, you That's a very good point. The same, yeah. the same mistake over and over again. We don't mind if we make new mistakes. If, you know, we're, we're going to have to make mistakes. Everyone, there's, there's no doubt that we're just going to continuously make mistakes, but let's try even to make a new one. And like you said, maybe sometimes even um, approaching, if you have one thing that is not, Good. Like, let's say the half tough approaching it from a different way, or even riding what may seem to be a slightly harder movement, um, and then coming back to the the easier movement, and sometimes it feels a little bit better. Um, I know certainly for me with half tough on some horses, if I ride if I ride the half tough and then I keep the mineral there through the corners and through the short side and on to the next quarter line, and I'm keeping them in there, keeping them in there, and then ride, let them sort of flow over from the quarter line back out to the track, and half pass, half pass, you know, like a relief, and, and a relief for the horse, instead of like, oh, here we go, this is half pass, this is hard for me, almost, it's almost a relief to go into half pass from something 
that's been a little bit harder. And I know a lot of times for people, they think, well, I can't possibly go on to this harder movement because I'm not, I'm still not good at the easier movement. But occasionally to challenge yourself a little bit, um, and then maybe it feels easier for both you and the horse to come back to the slightly easier movement. Yeah, I have an almost exact, you know, uh, example just recently, just working today, actually, we work a horse and a um, uh, really nice combination, but the the rider and the horse have a little trouble with Traver, you know, and we've been dealing with it and working through it for a couple of months, but today I just said, you know what, we're going to go on, we're going to move, we're going to move a little bit towards half pass, right? You know, you go to the next step up, I said, we're not going to show half pass this year, but this horse needs to learn Traver, and so we're going to give the horse a little bit of a harder job. You know, did that a little bit, working on a half pass, a little bit back and forth, you know, teaching horse and rider. And then, you know, we went back to Traver and it was like, like a relief, like you said, like a relief for the horse. The horse kind of went, oh, yes. And then something that she already kind of knew and she was like, oh, but the Traver was so much better from having done the half pass, you know, something a little bit harder that it was just like, you know, the problem wasn't just to keep going at Traver all the time, you know, and the horse is getting a little cranky, the rider's getting bored, you know, everyone's getting bored and frustrated. You know, we just did something out, get, you know, get out of the box a little bit and just, and just carry on. So I thought, you know, very, you know, a couple of examples of almost the same thing. So. Yeah. Well, great job, Eliza. Thank you so much for your tip of the week. That was super. I think it's something that we can all take to all of our horses that we ride. Um, Eliza, how would someone get in touch with you online? Um, I have a website at www.elizasidnordressage.com. And then I also have a Facebook page. You can look up Eliza Sidner Dressage. And I update that pretty regularly with some pictures and and articles and different things. So, yeah, check out one of those. Can you spell Sidnor for us there, Eliza? It is S-Y-D-N-O-R. Perfect. And don't worry if you misspelled it because everyone in the world does. Well, that was a great tip from Eliza and something that we all can keep in mind as we uh, go through go through our training um, day to day. Um, but, Philip, we are lonely. We have not had any emails or Facebook shout outs recently. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's some topics people, you know, coming into show season, you know, up north here. Maybe there's some topics that people would be interested in hearing. We would love to uh, to let us, you know, if somebody, you know, if you let us know, you got any ideas or you, you um, want to come on the show. That would be great. Yeah. Too. Give us a call. <laughs> we would love that. Shoot us an email. So you can find our show notes and links to today's guests at our website, dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook. Just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors and don't forget to check out all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we'll talk to you next week.